What's up, everyone? This is the All In Audio Experience. Presented by Undefined Complex. Based in Huntsville, Alabama. With your producers, Trent Malone and Jordan Allen. We are the new voice of the Rocket City. We're going to be bringing you guys quality content on financial literacy and the state of the culture. We're going to be conducting interviews with artists and professionals in the industry. So y'all stay tuned. Y'all pour into us as we pour into you. And watch us take off. Peace. everybody we've got another installment of our interview series and today we have a black business owner he is the owner of heart and soul shoe boutique he's also a photographer let me introduce chris dowdell what's going on all right yeah so chris dowdell is um somebody that i've known for a long time um going way back to union hill um a photographer, like Jordan has said, and also an owner of Heart and Soul. Um, so let's say, where are you where are you from? Let's go ahead and introduce that part. <laughs> I'm a native of uh, Huntsville, like you said. We uh we went went to Union Hill, grew up in Union Hill together. Um, you know, uh, I I'm a graduate of uh, Alabama A&M. Okay, okay. Uh, with a business that. degree. Um. Self-taught photographer, uh, natural-born hustler. I like that. So were those your early interests, too? So were you into photography and shoes growing up, or were you into something else? Well, no, uh, just growing up, um, I was just more or less just interested in things, how things work. You know, it, it came down to fundraisers. You know, I would be number one number one in fundraisers so you know that's that's that spark like hey sell water to a well Mm -hmm. um the shoe thing came in in high school uh i guess that's kind of like everybody's thing i I know uh k through five um even six through eight you know i i had multiple pairs of shoes but they weren't the shoes that were the end shoe everybody was rocking nylon cortezes which was probably like $30. Mm-hmm. So my mom takes me to shoe carnival and gives me leather Cortezes. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like... Put you in the wave? Yeah, but, you know, it's just kind of like, my, you know, she spent $50 versus the little $30. Okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I didn't know that. So uh, going into ninth grade, you know, uh, what happened was uh, I wanted some Jordans. And I can't remember the number right now. She said, you know, she'll go in half with me, and the other half, I would have to pay. So I get there, I was just like, well, all right, Chris Weber, which was, he was hot at the time, too. Yeah. So she she went in half with me on a, um, the $140 Chris Weber, and that was the last pair of shoes she bought me. Mm-hmm. So the next year, I had to get a job. Gotcha. So I went back to Foot Locker and worked there. So you was working there since high school? Yeah, 15. Dang, okay. 15 to 27. Okay, man. So you was experiencing them shoes. Yeah. Well, uh, the thing was, uh, I just went there to get my shoe school shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all right, I'm not going to miss out now because I'm at the store. But uh, 
I was just like, you know, um, so when I graduated high school, you know, I worked that summer, and I was just really there for the discount, really, because all my money went back, mm. went back to uh, in the store. So uh, uh, I worked that summer, then I went to UNA, but uh, that next year, and, you know, I would come home and work on the weekends, doing the holidays, stuff like that. What I did was I uh, I came back from UNA. I became full-time. So once I became full-time, you know, it was just, you know, like, I didn't I didn't really know how to be full-time, but because, you know, full-time required you to sell and be, you know, you're on commission. Mm-hmm. So by me being on commission, I was just like, well, let me be the best. To the fundraising day, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I just, I, you know, I became number one in the state okay. in sales. All right, man. Yeah. All right. So, how did? So, when did you realize? All right, I'm interested in owning my own shoe boutique. Well, this is never. Uh, it never was a, a thought, but it does go back to the Foot Locker days when. I, I came back home and I was working full time and I became assistant manager. I knew I never did want to be a manager, like a store manager. I didn't want to run a store. I wanted to run everybody. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, and and I and I tell you this, and this is for you, you too. Um, you know, uh, we grew up in Union Hill, but I didn't get faith faithful till I was probably like. 37 mm-hmm. like understanding that God is really working yeah. you see what I'm saying yeah, the power yeah. so so uh and some people experience it earlier than I did but then some people experience it when I when I experienced it mm-hmm. so I I didn't I didn't I didn't get faithful until I got 30 something when I had to go through that valley mm-hmm. so uh you know I was I was always, I always had that vision of just being a owner, some sort of type, some type of shirt and tie type of person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, not necessarily the boutique. So, uh, you know, uh, a quick story. 2008, my bank account got garnished from a credit card decision that I made when I was in college. So it wiped out, depleted all my funding, mm-hmm. all my funds. I had no job. So this is when I was painting shoes. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, dabbling in the paint, painting the shoes. Yeah. Uh, I think I came to a couple of your football games yeah. around that time frame, like 07 Yeah, back when I was playing rec ball. Um, well, Sparkman. Uh, okay. Sparkman Middle. Middle. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sparkman Middle. So, around that time frame, you know, that's this is my valley. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to walk through this valley. So, and I really had to just lean on God because, like I said, I didn't have a job and I didn't have any money. So, uh, I did have ideas and I had, I was crafty. So, um, I learned how to maneuver. I got a little job, but it was, it was the most humbling job that I ever had because I went in and I worked at Marshall's for a couple of years. And um, I had to work for like six dollars an hour, mm. you know. And I'm, I'm 
grown. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm grown. So, the, the good thing about my situation was my overhead wasn't very high. Like, my living expenses weren't high. So, you know, I'm paying, I have to make about $600 a month to live. You know what I'm saying? And, and that that helped. So, you put you in the right situation, but it was still a humbling experience. Cause it's I had like, to be humble. Yeah, I feel like I had to be humble. So, uh, you know, um, so you get a garnishment, your credit shot, too. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't know nothing about credit. I just knew I could go get stuff, but I didn't know nothing about credit. Like I know now, mm-hmm. so uh, man, you know, walked through those valleys. Uh, you know, got out of it. Uh, was able to, you know, secure my own crib, all that stuff like that. So uh, my business partner, Sean, he does my taxes, and we've been doing it for about five years. Uh, and every year, I used to talk to him because I wanted extra income. Mm-hmm. So now I'm moving. I'm I'm past that that valley stage but i'm not ahead like i want to be you know savings is not on swole you know savings i'm just there enough i'm i'm close enough to get by Mm -hmm. get get what i want whatever i want to get you know as far as like clothes shoes all that stuff which at the end of the day don't none of that matter Mm -hmm. um and so i talked to him uh one you know every january i go get my taxes done me and him talking i was like man I want to do taxes with you. He's like, all right, yeah, cool. But the thing was, I in January, I, I work with a basketball team. I work with Lee. We got, so we travel a lot. So I didn't really have time. So like two Januarys ago, me and him, we were talking about uh, the sneaker ball that, that was uh, happening, that happened uh, a few years ago. That uh, You remember Justice Smith? I probably know the face. Yeah, dark skin, Justin. So uh, he put on a sneaker ball, and I was just like, man, hey, we need to kind of bring the sneaker culture back to Huntsville with, like, the sneaker ball. He was like, cool. When when we when we were talking, we was just like, yo, um, we can do this sneaker ball thing, but we had a, a, a podcast at his house. Mm-hmm. So over gumbo. So a bunch of sneakerheads got together, and we was just talking kicks. So... Uh, I was just like, man, you know, maybe we should do. So that same group we reached out to and was like, yo, what about, you know, doing something for the culture, for the sneaker culture here in Huntsville? And the only one hit back was my other business partner, Adrian. So he was just like, yo, it's it's funny that you all said that because I was thinking about doing a store anyhow. Mm-hmm. So he already had it in his mind that he was going to do the store. So with him um, already having the, you know, the vision already laid out. So we met up, the three of us met up. We met up at a location. So we are, he already had a location in mind. So then, um, of course, now I go back to, like, my connections that I made. So uh, one of the athletic trainers that used to work at, with the basketball team, he does real estate. So they said, hey, look, if you want to get – commercial realty you need to hire a realtor so i hit him up he put his employee with the uh, realtor he showed us a couple locations and then we you know with the pricing so we went and saw the one that we're in now and we was like it fits the model uh it fits the 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 mold where we want to be and it was the right price Mm -hmm. and it's actually a price break because 
when we did our own research, it was higher. Y'all got it at an opportune time, or what was? No, it wasn't necessarily opportune time. It was just uh, that's that's what happened. Okay. You know, it just happened like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just divine. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, once he, which is a past, he's a pastor, so he had the vision to to uh, design it. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. That's his side jobs. So, like, you know, the three of us also have other streams of income. Gotcha. And that's what I do love. The design in that is dope. Like, it's got that, like, like almost kind of urban look. You know what I'm right. saying? Real clean, real open. I like it. Right. And and I, I'll say this. Uh, once, you know, like, once we saw, like, he he took bits and pieces from all the boutiques he's been to across the country because, you know, he preaches across the country. Mm-hmm. So once he goes to a place, he goes to the shoe stores there and he just takes bits and pieces from the, the concepts and he incorporated here in Huntsville. So. Man, so that building, so basically y'all own that building as well. No, we don't own the building. We okay. lease the building. Okay, okay. But, the goal is uh, the next location will be owned by us. Okay. You see what I'm saying? That's that's kind of like the goal and how to uh, – and we know that it can be reached mm-hmm. as long as, you know, everybody's on, on one accord. Mm-hmm. Yep. So y'all plan on spreading this out, um, having multiple stores, visiting Huntsville, and then do y'all plan on branching out from here? Well, uh, I don't think it'll be multiple stores in Huntsville. It'll probably be, like, here and then there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The next location, where whether it be, you know, here in Nashville, Atlanta, Cali, New York, L.A., whatever, you know. Gotcha. The vision, the vision, that's one thing that I'll say, uh, you know, God always equips you with vision. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's why we're here today. Mm-hmm. Y'all got a vision. And you know, through God, that is very true, man. We we came up with this. I don't know. We've been talking about it for a while, but um, I mean, I just started buying stuff, and then mm-hmm. I already know he was like talking about it. So we just mm-hmm. been making it happen. Before we go to photography, stay sticking on shoes. I need like a top five of your favorite all time kicks. Top five. Top five. So top five. Bread ones, okay. black cement threes, okay. top five. New Travis's, Travis sixes. Okay, so you like the Travis Scott. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yeezy one. You talking about like uh, the little October looking ones? No, nah, that's the two. Oh, you talking about oh, the I'm first sorry. one? Pink, blacky. Okay, yeah. I got you. I got you. And uh, Royal Jordan ones. Okay. See, I don't know about a lot of these. I didn't know the first one, but I knew all the rest of them. That was pretty dope. I like that. Yeah. My favorite Jordan is probably the 12s, though. 12s? Yeah. I like the 12s like that. So, uh, my first Jordan was that uh, the one that just almost like the one that came out uh, a couple weekends ago, that Jordan Low 11, mm-hmm. i.e., Black and Cement. Black and Cement. Okay. The, that one. I didn't so, see that release, but. Yeah, so that was my very first Jordan. I still got it. You still got it? Okay. I bought it in 96. Yeah, I still uh, got it. That's my birth year. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dang. Yeah, 
so you still got a collection of shoes um for me for me um I did see that I did see that yeah for me what I did was when we got into when we decided you know how we were gonna get inventory when we was gonna start getting the inventory um I started taking all the brand new shoes that I had in my closet out. Then I went to all the shoes that I wouldn't wear no more. Mm-hmm. Then I had the ones that was just crumbling or, you know, falling apart. So something like a Jordan or a 11, all my Jordan 11 patent leathers, the patent leather Jordans, they all, the soles all came off. Jesus. So I set all of those in a, a, a pile. Then I saw, I said all the rest, and I took to the store. So I cleaned the ones up, you know, because we do sell pre-owned shoes too. So I cleaned those up, and um, when I uh, cleaned those up, you know, put them in the store. Pretty much everything I put in the store sold already. That's another question. How do y'all go about getting the inventory? How did that start? You got to get connections. Did somebody already know somebody? How does that even work? So the three of us are all we're all big time sneakerheads. Um, but the problem was we all wore the same size. Mm, that's crazy. So I wore a twelve or eleven and a half. So Adrian wore a twelve or a thirteen and Sean wore a thirteen. So that's how we started. Mm-hmm. So then we took to people that we knew. Like uh, that, we knew that was selling shoes. So you know, you got other sneakerheads, other people um, that's selling shoes. So we reached out to them once they had a deal. Like uh, you know, uh, maybe they selling a Travis Scott four for probably like you know three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So brand new, a brand new shoe. Travis Scott Four is probably selling for reselling for like five, five to you know seven, yeah. some, something like that. So just Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you know, we were just buying buying inventory. Then uh, I, I had a college buddy that was uh, connected at Nike, so we bought a couple shoes from them but you know it wasn't necessarily you know um and we we started doing the releases too so all the releases that were coming out we all got on there and bought multiple sizes at that we could so you know like on the sneakers out they only let you get one shoe mm-hmm. but like if the three of us go on the sneakers out and get three shoes then that's three shoes at the store yep exclusive they're yeah. exclusive you gotta come get them yeah, so uh, that's how um, that's how we we just started buying. You know, uh, we knew when like Supreme dropped, we know when OVO drops, we know when Palace drops. You know, just finding out those things, vape, vape, vape sales. Really, we know when that drops, so just go on and buy it. So we're really the consumer, just like y'all are, but we're getting it when you're asleep. So when you sleep, you know we're we're getting we're getting the the uh, the product. So now you have to pay for our time. 
which is the resale. Mm-hmm. So we'll get it at, you know, like the three of us know that shoes are coming out tomorrow. If y'all sleep on it, I get it. Then, you know, you got to pay for my time now. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like how the resale works. Um, I honestly will say that uh, we didn't see North Huntsville till COVID hit. If, if you know what that means. Like, we we got a store full of shoes that we I know would sell if I was in Foot Locker. We got a, a bunch of them, but we didn't see we didn't see those consumers. But we did see Harvest. We did see South Huntsville. We did see Meridianville. We did see Newmarket. Mm-hmm. We just never saw... North Huntsville until COVID hit. Yeah. I don't know what that was. Well, most of the times, uh, and I'll say, they don't understand resale. You know, um, mm-hmm. and um, it's always, yo, go to Foot Locker, go to Foot Action, gotcha, go to Higgs. Gotcha. Sneakerhead culture here isn't quite as developed. Because I know, like, outside of here, Sneakerheads, I do know when they want something, they they'll pay that little extra penny to get it. You know what I'm saying? Just hold it for a minute. You know. Yeah. So you think it's just developing here? Why you think they don't understand it? Because we ain't never had it. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. You gotcha. see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I was the plug. I was the plug at Foot Locker. I mean, you got to think. 14 years, you could come and you could say, "Hey, Chris, I know I need I need those Jordan." 11s or I need them 12s to come out you got me yeah. and I'm going to tell you if I got you or if I don't got you I'm going to be truthful so you know I was the guy that you could call and say hey yeah. so if I got you I got you if I don't I'm going to help you find them yeah. or I'll go get them like I used to go if I didn't have the shoe I used to go up to Hibbets or I used to go to finish line mm-hmm. and get the shoe that my, my customers didn't care where it came from yeah, they just wanted to come came for me. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, if it I came out of my pocket to go get it, they were just gonna pay me back. So yeah. I feel you. Because most footlockers do have that guy that's like they know like if it's something they really want, you just you know, meet them on the side and talk to them. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. And what do you see? I guess you kind of already spoke on like multiple locations, but what else do you see in y'all's growth? In the next few years, uh, with Heart and Soul, mm-hmm. well, Heart and Soul. I mean, you know, it is multiple locations. That's that's the goal. Um, but you know, all of us want to develop. Out of the three, I'm the oldest, and I I think I'm like five years older than the two of them. Okay. So for me, I I'm I'm more or less like more real estate. I wanna I wanna real estate driven type business after you know not saying that I want to give up the boutique Mm -hmm. but I want I personally want to see myself in more real estate that's where the big money at for y'all that's listening yeah big money is is very big money but also like personal you You know uh, I never was a great student in school Mm -hmm. uh, honestly like I did enough to play sports. Gotcha. And I and 
I kind of thank my parents, but my parents didn't push me. You know, I, yeah, I got in trouble for making a, a C or a D, but I listened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they said, hey, America owe you 40 acres in a mule. So I'm just looking for my four acres. Five acres, you know what I'm saying? I, that's 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 the only thing I want. I want five acres. I put a house on one, and then my kids can have the rest. You know, be able to leave an inheritance, and that's uh, that's kind of like you know my goal. Since you know I am getting older, and I just I just see like where it's going. I see what our counterparts do, mm-hmm. and I see how they teach their kids. So, uh, you know, I, I talked to this guy, and he was like, yeah, I don't pay my kids to get good grades. I don't pay my kids to clean the house. But I got about 100-something uh, leadership books around the house. And if they read, a, you know, a book and they write me a half a page, I give them $50. Mm. If they write me a whole page, I give them $100. I'm teaching them to become bosses not employees yeah so so you know the earlier that you can learn it the better off you are in, in life you know what i'm saying exactly yeah that's a gem right there because like you i already know like you was working for Foot Locker for a minute you know yeah. i was working at kroger for a minute and it's just like you know you see the people around you you like, man, they ain't got the same mindset as me. Because, you know, I feel like it stunts your growth. Y'all not on the same frequency. That's what it do. Yeah. And I had the same feeling. I was with Sonic and a dude pulled up in a Maserati. And I was like, oh, this ain't it. Nah, it ain't. <laughs> but, uh, so, but the thing is, you got to think about at Morehouse, you know, they taught you. But they didn't teach you everything. You know, um, Jordan, what's, did you go to school? Yeah, I went to Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State, they taught you. Yeah. But they didn't teach you everything. So, like, you know, one thing that I didn't even know when I was at Foot Locker, and I was there for 14 years, you got to think about it, 14 years is a long time. Six of them was in a management position. Nobody told me about stocks. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, nobody told me about buying into the company stocks or that they'll they'll match um they get they'll match what you put in nobody taught me that you know i just now learned that during the covid or right before the covid you know mm-hmm. so like and you know i'm looking at um this guy on uh, twitter and instagram and he's teaching showing me like okay you buy dividend paying stocks you just own the stock and they pay you mm-hmm. you see what i'm saying so like just learning different different avenues and different different uh trades and how to make money while you sleep that's the that's the that's the the goal right there so like with this podcast you know the more viewers you get the more money you can get you know that type deal you know what i'm saying um then it can turn into a book yep you see Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like it's it's endless goals and that should be the goal is to get to the end goal of where they are because they're just ahead of us 
um, and is 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 kind of like designed like that. Yeah, it's designed, and then I guess like there's not enough people in our community that's teaching it or able to have the knowledge to give it out. So, yeah, I want to be one of those people. That I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you why they don't want to give it out. Cause they don't want to. They don't want you to hit it them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, for me, my goal, and you probably can attest. I've I've always been a giver. Mm-hmm. I can give. Like when I did them shoes, I don't even think I charged you. I just did them cause I was doing it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I'm a giver. So if you if the more that you can give, and this goes back to your faith too you see what i'm saying like when god see you giving he rewards you and you know i never understood tithing until i was broke you see what i'm saying yeah and that's and that's crazy like until you till you broke that's when you understand that oh okay it's all gonna be taken away it's all taken away but also the more i give to god the more he allows me to reap. Photography came uh, through me painting shoes. Um, I used to just see um, everything online. Like, you know, I used to see these creators, um, you know, customizers, and they was painting shoes. And I'm just like, man, that's a dope shot. That's a dope shot. And, like, when I used to just be out, I'm like, oh, that's a dope shot. Like, so, you know, honestly, like everything else, I always thought that I could just do it. So I got a camera and I was just like, yeah, I'm a photographer now, but it's not that easy. You know, you do have to perfect that craft. You have to learn, um, how to be in it. Um, like I used to look at, um, like photos of Oprah in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, man, Oprah looking all right, you know? (laughs) And, 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 you know, you, you see that stuff and you just like, man, you know, okay, now I got a camera. Now I can make my clients look like Oprah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that's how it came out the camera. You know, you see Oprah on TV, and then you see her on the magazine, and they two different sizes. <laughs> she two different sizes. And I'm just like, like, when did she gain weight? Yeah, it's magic. So I didn't know to how to edit when I first got in photography, I thought like what you got out of the camera was it. And I was just like, man. So, um, you know, I, um, once I started, started, you know, taking pictures, I was just like, well, now let me learn how to get better. So I started following this, uh, this white guy, uh, Jerry Johannes. And, 
you know, he was, he's the, the one that says, uh, you know, like, straight out of camera, and I saw a lot of the stuff, like, I'm sitting here watching a lot of his videos and stuff like that, and I'm like, man, that is dope, mm-hmm. so a lot of natural light, you know, he's the biggest natural light photographer, but then, the one thing that I, I saw, he was charging like 10k for a wedding, so, so I was just like, man, how do I get there? And that's the one thing I'll say about, like, even with, um, on the business side of things, is like, you know, with photography, it wasn't about how to shoot like somebody else. How do I charge 10K like mm-hmm. they did? That's, you know, what did what do I say to the client? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big business right there. For sure, 10,000. This is one of the uh, first images I took that I learned how to edit. Real soft, real natural light. Oh, yeah, that's a good picture right there. My, my god sister had a, has, has her own makeup line. So this is her makeup line when she first got started. So when did you take this? When did you decide, like, well, when did you figure out the editing part? This is 2014. So I had a camera for about two or three years then mm-hmm. and um, that's when I kind of like figured it out like you know the first year second year I, I well the first year that I got my camera you know I shot weddings charged $200 mm-hmm. cause that's kind of like oh the skill set that you're at you you, you price at the skill set so uh, then um, you know just start getting better you know once you start seeing other people's work seeing how they get to where they are and you're just learning you know there's a lot of in-person classes Mm -hmm. but you got to understand too i'm still broke at this time so i didn't have a lot of money to invest into myself Mm -hmm. so you know but i did have the time and i had the resources of like you know magazines and Books Million, so I would go to Books Million or Barnes and Nobles and just sit in the um, sit in the cab and just read books on photography, buy books on photography, stuff like. That. Yeah, it's about that putting in those hours to actually get to that level. That's why um, I had an interview um, at the job, and it just was like I feel like my time and energy spent for somebody else's business could be done so much better working on something that I was passionate about, you know what I'm saying? So I think how, like you said, you went into the Books a Million. I, I did the, something similar. I went into Barnes & Noble one day, and I was just reading. And it was when I was on a search to find what I was passionate about. And it was just like whatever I gravitated to, like I just wanted to do, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of a similar situation in that aspect. Yeah, uh, I'll say, you know, even with Heart and Soul, like, if I didn't like sneakers, I wouldn't have did it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be passionate about everything that you do. And um, you put your time and energy. And that's how you get your reward. So, just learning. People just need to learn how to find that find that passion. Mm-hmm. Find what you like the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, when I saw Trent play football, he was the best thing smoking. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. in seventh and eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? But then, he, you know, high school, you know, it's just kind of like he's overshadowed mm-hmm. by everybody else. You know, the bigger names and things like that. You know, I you couldn't tell me when he was in the seventh and eighth grade that he wasn't going to be the best thing mm-hmm. coming out of North Alabama. Yeah, it was it was like that back then, but and, and then like you start to you get to those different schools, you go to the next level, and either your school don't prepare you or you mentally you not there. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of it too. It was mentally I wasn't there to be the best, and then also coaching wise it wasn't the best environment either. So you know, but also I feel like. You know, football wasn't my complete calling. It was uh, what I enjoyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I learned that, It was too. fun. It was fun. Every yeah. level you go up, you got to bring something new. Like, I don't care how big you are. Like, there's people that be doing that, and they live that. Like, that's their passion. So, high school to college, all of that, you got to keep growing. You really do got to keep growing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, as far as the photography goes, were you able to get – start moving closer into I guess that thou- the thousand dollar range for events I'm still not there um, you know photography is ever going um, it's just where you're going to be comfortable at so um, you know I I worked at Lee High School I worked at Lee High School um, I work at Heart and Soul I do photography uh, I only went and got a W two job just so I could do other things like buy a house, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Um, buy a car, stuff like that. Where so, but I a majority of my income comes from doing the events, doing the photography, you know, on the weekend. So like, I was not passionate. But I was willing to go back to school for education to be a teacher. But I wasn't passionate about being a teacher. I'm just good at it. I'm good with with the kids. And and I'm working with not regular kids. I'm working with special needs kids, kids that have a disability or they have a physical disability that you can see or, you know, an intellectual disability that you can't see. And, you know, like they might snap on you right now or they might just be loving on you the next minute you know what I'm saying so I was just good at that but like you know I I weighed out my options like go back to school for another year and a half two years for 10 to 15 thousand to make 33 coming in the door or you know I work and work 180 days or I work less than 180 days and I make 40K. I'm with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm with that, but, like, I I don't feel like I'm, you know, 10K yet. Like, a 10K photographer. I don't want to be a 10K photographer because that's too many problems, too many issues. You know, it's like... Oh, take the picture at one o'clock. Do you have my pictures at two o'clock? That's that's what that's what a ten k ten k photographer gets you. You know, like a commitment. I think I think 
I don't want to be there. Yeah. So you say you also work with the basketball team at Lee? Yeah, I do. Oh, uh, yeah. So you still real passionate about basketball? Yeah, I mean, you know, do I want to play? No. Yeah. <laughs> you still watch the games, all that? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Know, so I, I can I can guide you into being better, mm-hmm. but I'm more of a support coach. Like, did you do? Did you go to study hall? Okay, I got you. I got you. Did you? Right. Did you um, fill out your FAFSA to mm-hmm. get you into college? Did you make a 17 on your ACT? Did you go to the ACT prep class that I paid for for you? Okay. You see what I'm saying? I got you. Kind of keeping them around, too. Just keeping them out of the streets. Because mm-hmm. uh, one thing that y'all know is that there have been athletes that came through that have been in y'all's class that was supposed to be the one. And they might be at uh, your local dealership or they might be in the streets or they might be in jail. You know what I'm saying? That's because there was nobody there coaching, coaching you up to let you know, like, hey, this is what you are not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. These are the people that you're not supposed to hang around. So, you know, I didn't have it. But what is it for me not to give it back to the per, to the to the people that's under me? Yeah, you see what I'm saying. And also that understanding that this doesn't have to be the end all be all. You know, no. a lot of them, a lot of times you go into sports and that's all you do, and then once you're done with that, they don't know what to do after that. So. That they don't understand that that that's just a platform to you for you to get to the next level, mm-hmm. like. The goal is just to get a free education, mm-hmm. a four-year degree. You know what I'm saying? And that's the goal. That should be everybody's goal. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm coming out of Spartan. I'm coming out of Lee. Now I'm going to X Y Z University. Mm-hmm. Let me get this four-year degree and learn something out of that. Now, if you get to go to the league, that's just a bonus. But now you gotta pay. You gotta play play the num the numbers game. It's four hundred and fifty three NBA players. Four hundred and fifty three is probably I don't know how many college players it is. Too many. But it's four hundred and fifty three college players, and at the rate that they're going right now, nobody's really retiring. So you know, we don't. You, you already on a job. You might want to get that education before you make the leap. That's right. Yeah. But even think about it. Before you even make the leap, you got to look at the numbers. Who's coming out? You see what I'm saying? LeBron's not retiring in the next two years. Chris Paul is not retiring in the next two years. And these are these are Vince Carter. Just retired. Just retired. Melo just got skinny. <laughs> Vince Carter just ca- came out when I w- when I went to when I was in. the Vince Carter went to the league when I was in 11th grade. Yeah, because he was like 96 or something like that. Yeah, class of 96. I was born in 96. So, <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? Like, I was I was going to I, – I graduated high school at, as in 97. Mm-hmm. Vince Carter just came out the league. Mm-hmm. So, so, man, you know, like – Yeah, the numbers game. So, one of – um. One of the students that was at Lee, um, his name Kobe Brown. Yeah, that's my guy. Um, I'm sure 
and I guess he um his dad and they live right uh, right down the street too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, how is that having somebody that was a part of your team go to the next level D one? Um, and how many have you seen move on to that level? Well, Kobe wasn't the first. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So you know, you go back to, you go back to like Josh Langford, mm-hmm. Devin Langford, Kawhi Four. He went to Richmond. Yeah, Kawhi. Last name. Last name. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Four. Kwan Four. I'm sorry. Kwan Four. Kwan Four. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, Kobe wasn't the first D one, mm-hmm. and like. It's a shame as fuck for Lee. I don't know why nobody wouldn't want to go to Lee because we have we had uh, college coaches that get to come to practice. That's how plug his daddy is. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They come to practice. So like we had some twins and their dad. So they're this is year seven for them in basketball coming up. Year number seven. Their dad was like, I ain't never seen college coaches at a practice. Ever. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, now, you know, working with Kobe, now Kobe was the highest, uh, he was the highest recruit out of all of them. to come out of uh, Lee High School. But, you know, even going back to Darren Stewart, Darren Stewart, he in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you got Reggie Ragland, you got yeah. Chester Rogers, a lot of people. Chester came from Lee. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he went the football route. Mm-hmm. Um, Darren was a, a, a great basketball player. Him and his brother. His brother went to Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, man, just being around Kobe, man, um, I like Kobe um, the most because he's super humble. So, um, you know, he went to Missouri. He com- first committed to Texas A&M, but then he, um, their coaching staff got released, so he went to Missouri to play. And, you know, he started most of the games as a freshman and um, had a 3.8 GPA. So those rides that he had that he had with me, hey, Kobe, focus on your books. But he knows this because his parents, mm-hmm. you know, instilled in him. But, you know, those rides with me, like, don't get in trouble. Don't get a girl pregnant you know what i'm saying those 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 are things so also got malik malik langham he's at vanderbilt he went to florida uh out of high school but uh he transferred to vandy so he got a good shot too yeah so yeah so yeah you've seen a lot of high high talents letting i guess lee produced that man that's yeah, just high major talent. I mean, our football team ain't great, but you can get some um, some some good kids out of out of the program. But you know, most of them play basketball too, though. Yeah. You know, so uh, the thing is, is just like you know, you can't you can't just start looking at people differently just because of their social class or whatever. I mean, you know, like. The one thing that I've learned about just being a parent is you want to be better than what your parents were. Not necessarily you you trying to one-up your parents, 
but you want to be in a better place. Yeah. So like most of our parents grew up in the projects. That grew up in the projects. Some came from Birmingham. Like, my mom came from Bessemer. And I don't know if y'all ever been to Bessemer. But Bessemer, if you go to Bessemer, you go through Bessemer to get to Tuscaloosa. But you see the good part of Bessemer once you get, uh, once you go down uh, 2059, you see the good part of it. But, like, if you turn off on that Bessemer exit, man, every house that you look at, before you get to Splash Adventure or Adventure, uh, whatever. Southern Adventure? No, no, that's here. Uh, it's it's some uh, water park down there. But every house you look at down there is dilapidated. And I remember being probably like 30. And I said, Mom, how come, you know, they don't fix these houses up? And you know what she said? It's probably one person that owns all these houses. Mm. But I do remember, you know, being a little boy five six you know the guy coming to the door collecting the money you know what i'm saying i didn't know who it was but that was probably the guy that owned the houses that owned all the houses you know what i'm saying like i remember my and my grandmother's 101 so i remember being in her house and going across the street because miss harris she needed something from the grocery store so she'll pay me ten dollars to go to the grocery store to go grocery shopping for you know and i go walk but now i look across the street at my grandma's house and that house is torn down the house is gone the house is no more you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. so you know that's the thing that we have to do is just change mindsets of how people think as far as you know like our parents wanted to be better than what they grew up in mm-hmm. they, they didn't want to grow up, they didn't want us to grow up in the projects, so they worked, they worked hard, they paid off their houses, and and then they, uh, you know, they're probably going to leave an inheritance, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, when you become a parent, you got to think like that. So, no, I didn't want to grow up, I didn't want my son to grow up in North Huntsville, they got the shooting in on Jordan Lane the other day. Yep. Yesterday. Saw that. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want my son to be exposed to that. But I will tell him about all of this stuff. I will, you know, show him the violence, the, you know, the racial divide and all that. So he's not naive to the situation. But but you know, I'm a I'm gonna make sure that I put him in a better position than what I kind of grew up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to, yeah, that's the, like you said, you want to one-up, not in a, a bad way at all, but it's just, just trying to have a better life setting, set up, yeah, you want to have generational wealth that can continue over for generations and generations. That's that's what our community lacks. So, And I like how you brought up about how on Wright Street, Hundred thousand, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar houses, and you turn and it's like the projects. Because mm-hmm. I used to grow up in New Orleans, and if you actually go same, in the city, any city you go in, one street, million dollar houses, next street, don't nobody care about it. It's mm-hmm. rough, and it's crazy how it's like those two things can be so close to each other, but be so far apart in like the way that people think and all of that. Yeah, that's like at Morehouse, like you right there in the hood. 
you got the Mercedes Benz stadiums. You could walk from there, and it's like it's crazy how different it is from it's where you sitting at in Morehouse, and then you can walk down to whatever. What is that street? I don't know, Joseph E. Hmm. Abernathy or something. And that's any city I've been in. But you, but y'all know that uh, all colleges are in the hood. Oh yeah, HBCUs for sure. For sure, but <laughs> I mean even. Uh, PWIs because the land was cheap. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So they bought the land. The land was cheap. So they bought the land and just put it in there. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Put Jacksonville, like, it's not the hood, but it's the country. It's bumpkins. It's country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, country. Very. Yeah. It's, it's all, it's, uh, it's cut off. It's cut off from. Atlanta. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that, it was cheap land, though. They, they used that cheap land. To build it up. Yeah, and then something's going to kind of grow from there. I guess it's like they're going to try to expand, hopefully. That's the plans from these schools, most part. Yeah, but, you know, some of them don't have a whole lot of space to expand. Yeah. You know, so, you know, they'll they'll figure it out. Um, I I do like the idea of uh, some of these five-star athletes going to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, maybe uh, it might be for a year, but it brings them revenue. revenue mm-hmm. So that'll be cool too. Oh yeah, seeing um, Mikey <laughs> saying what what schools he was interested in. Five of them looking like HBCUs right now. I, I'm gonna crazy. have to hate the NCAA. Like I <laughs> absolutely despise the NCAA, not the organization, not the actual sports. Just because it's a nonprofit, and if you look at like you can look it up on Google. Like, they literally got to put up their salaries. I think their top end executives all make millions of dollars. Like, yeah. all of them. And it's a nonprofit organization. And the athletes don't get paid on the premise of amateurism. So, how is the executives of their organization getting paid millions? Well, you got to look at also, um, just like the SEC. Mm-hmm. The SEC. Each stadium on on a home game Saturday produces mm-hmm. about thirteen million dollars a, a game. Yeah. So you got about six of them, six to eight games a year. Yeah. Go figure. You add it up. That's how they can get paid. Yeah, I, I know where the money coming from. I'm saying yeah. I don't like how they dis- distributing it, and I'm yeah. saying we could put that in our black colleges for sure. You feel me? Yeah. Um. Now, um, the kid uh, maker that's going to Howard, I've actually seen him play like. Seven, seven foot point yeah, guard. Yeah, maker or something yeah, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. six, seven, six, eight. Uh, no, six, nine, six, ten. I saw him in person. Guard. Yeah, seen him in Vegas. Okay, what was that like? Man, I mean, he real. He real. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to see a kid that tall bringing the ball up the court. You know, like he's legit. Like he's fluid with it too. Or? Yeah, he's legit. Like he's a legit. Guard. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, man. That's, that's the next era. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just, if you can bring the money to the HBCUs, mm-hmm. you know, you change their mindsets. But, you know, also we have to put people in position there that's there because, you know, there has been a lot of corrupt presidents and. Yeah, it's been a lot of corruption in the, in those those arenas. Mm-hmm. So you got to put the right people in place to make sure that everything stays in place. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, it would be good. Yeah, hopefully we can make that shift. It's, but with all this stuff going on, mm-hmm. with the um, all the things happening with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd and things, we finally, I think, at least our generation, the younger generations are seeing, we can change the ties at this point. Yes, you can, but it's still a lot of old, old ways of thinking in in office. So what I say is like my my parents' age people are still in 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 the high places. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And their kids are still following them which are the kids of my age, age range, or just a little bit older. So you, we, we do have to find a, a way to actually make the, make the noise. Um, I, 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 I like the black, the buy black deal, but like at the end of the day, there's still always sometimes a white man at the end of the yep. the tunnel. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's what I'm trying to get out. Yeah, you're, you're trying to get out the <laughs> way, but you know it's yeah. You know the buy black is 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 great thing, but sometimes always buy black is not always black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still black and white. Yeah. Somebody at the top is funding it. Right. Something. So you know until we can learn how to. Uh, get our own money. Mm-hmm. And keep it circulating within us. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and I, I think I was telling you, Trent, about that, uh, you know, how to keep the, the money circulating within the families. But, you know, it's everything always seemed like a scheme to black people. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to break that mindset that some people have. So, yeah, we have a problem with criticizing luxury items that maybe are that aren't white luxury items. Is like I feel like I would like to see more luxury items that are black because I don't think there's a problem. I feel like buying nice things is natural, especially when you work hard and you do stuff. But I do want to see more black luxury items and people to actually consider them luxury. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we need to see that label of like. Fendi or fit not Fenty but Fendi or Alexander McQueen from somebody else to actually consider it luxury. So I So uh I got a customer that comes into Heart and Soul. He came to Heart and Soul. So he's actually uh he buys the those things. Mm-hmm. You know, those those brands, but he's also has his own brand that he's doing to sell. And the thing is, I will say on a on a the grand scheme of things, the problem is not the fact that we can't get. It's the fact that we won't support, mm-hmm. per se. So you know, like we're we're gonna, like I can put two hundred a half a million dollars into a line, a luxury line, mm-hmm. get the finest finest materials out, and. I have to kind of charge you what it's going to cost because 
it cost me. So like, yeah. So the thing is, like, when I come to you and I say, like, look, this is Italian leather and this is such and such, that we don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to pay five hundred dollars for it either. So like, you know, you look at your your off whites. Like, I look at them shoes and I'm like, man, hey, they dope, but three hundred dollars. $500 off-white jacket, you know, $1,500. Like, I, I'm i good. I'm good on that, you know, paying that. Because now you start thinking like, all right, $1,500, that's a mortgage payment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once I get my bread up, I feel like I'm going to be more open to it. But off-white, I'm funny with Because off-white is dope, but it's still, it's like Nike streetwear. So it's like. Some, some of it is, some of it. But, you know, he has his own line other yeah, than yeah. than Nike. So the collaboration, the collaboration stuff yeah. is like it's just a resale thing. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, Off White came out, uh he came out that came out uh with the Off White Jordan Four Saturday. Two hundred dollar shoe. Yeah. Resell him for eighteen hundred dollars. Two thousand dollars, you know? So sneaker culture is crazy. Yeah. Sneaker culture is crazy. So now you also you look at like uh, Nike mm-hmm. SB Dunks, a hundred and ten dollar shoe. That's a staple shoe. I'm, yes, yeah, I remember those. Those were hot for a little minute. Yeah, so they back now. So the orange Grateful Dead came out Friday. Mm-hmm. Resale for twenty eight hundred dollars. The green resale for eighteen hundred. The yellow sell for seventeen hundred. You see what I'm saying? So, like, you know, you're looking at, and then now you're telling me to come up with, uh, come up with uh, my own brand to compete with that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to pay resale prices for, for that shoe. Yeah. And Stefan Marbury was probably the first one that yeah, tried to make, yeah, stuff. tried to make the stuff affordable for, for inner city kids. Yeah. And they criticized him for it. You see what I'm saying? Like, okay, my shoe is not gonna be a hundred dollars. He he started with AM one. He is the logo for AM one. Yeah, he is the he is the he is the logo for AM one. And they they criticized him for for all of that. You know what I mean? So it's like either you win or you know. So how much uh how much you think the red October's will be? Oh, the Red October's, they right now hitting for, uh, I think, 5K. That's crazy. 38, 38 to 5,000. Well, for me, um, for me, shoes become trophies when it's worth that. But I, I'm not a resale. I'm not a resale. I don't purchase my shoes at a resale price. You know, uh, I try to get every shoe that I can at retail. Um, Now, have I bought some? Um, Yes. I accidentally bought a pair of shoes for $600. And that was because he sent me the wrong shoe. And I was just in good faith giving him a little bit extra. You know what I'm saying? But... I bought the shoe for the shoe that I wanted was a Shadow One, Jordan One, mm-hmm. 
but he sent me a a, a DB2, which was reselling for $1,000. So I sent him, you know, $400 and called it a day. You know what I'm saying? And he was just like, he was upset, but hey, you sent me the wrong shoe. I didn't have to send you that. Yeah, sure did. So you, man. <laughs> you know, nice, right? Yeah. So you know what I'm saying, but um, you know, sneaker culture is it is um, it's crazy. But like for you to say you're gonna have a, your own brand, it's hard mm-hmm. because now I gotta look toward the others to support me because my people won't. Once again, you remember I told you when we opened up Heart and Soul, we didn't see North Front City. Mm-hmm. We saw Harvest. We saw Madison, New Market, South Huntsville. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> so yeah, man. Man, yeah, you gotta. It's it's tough, man. That's kind of like how we going with this podcast, you know, like. You see people, you know, people follow you. You got you got people that follow you. I ain't got a lot of followers yet, but it's like when you post some, you post a picture of yourself, you'll get 200 likes. You post, I post on this podcast, I see I got like 40. I'm like, what? what what's up with that? I don't so the thing is, man, um, and this is uh, kind of like how I, um, I started. So, uh, on social media, because I wasn't really big on social media. I never did any social media until Instagram. So, um, and even with Instagram, I don't post, like, what I do. I post, like, my son, me. um, Like, I'm not big on, I, I, I haven't really posted a lot of photography, but if I did photography work, you know, and you posted it and tagged me, yeah, I accept it, and that's cool, but I'm not big on, you know, I I feel like I know enough people. I know people. But mm-hmm. what I'll tell you is when I got on Instagram, um, I met this, the girl. I met this girl that um, I went to prom with my senior year. I seen her on a plane going to Houston. So she was, she was going on the same plane. I was just like, yo, I ain't seen you in, like, forever. So I and I was like, yo, I still I'm still into the kicks. And she said, so she's an interior designer up in New York. And she uh she was like, man, why don't you do um why don't you post all your shoes like every day? And I was like, man, that'll be that'll be kind of cool. But I was like, I don't have that many shoes that no more. But what I could do is I could post a picture. So when I got on Instagram, I took uh, a picture on my phone. So typically, well, in my phone, I had enough pictures to go through a whole year, to cycle a year. I had enough creative pictures in my phone to to cycle a whole year. So what I did was I, uh, I hashtagged it. So it was called Love What You See um, 365 Project. That was the hashtag. Love What You See. 365 project so day one picture love what you see so the thing about it was what I did was with that project it was taken with my phone and edited with my phone just to show people that you don't have to have a a camera camera to get a good shot then I did it again um, the next year and I changed the hashtag 
It's still 365 Project, but um, I changed the hashtag. I can't remember it. But this time, I didn't have enough pictures in my phone, so I really had to take pictures the next year. But um, it's all about hashtagging. Mm-hmm. You come up with the hashtag, and everything that you post is the hashtag. That's how, I, I mean, I got like, you know, 2,500, maybe 3,000 followers. I don't even know how many followers I got. But, um, Tierra said the same thing. She yeah. said them hashtags work. Yeah, yeah they do. Hashtags is real, man. Yeah, so so if you just hashtag everything that uh, that you do, like even if you take a picture of selfie, it's X, Y, and Z hashtag. It's X, Y, and Z hashtag, no matter what. And then you go from there, you know, like you'll get your followers up. You'll also uh, build your clientele. So when we open the store, the three of us never showed our face. The three of us never showed our face on on uh, on that page on Heart and Soul until we shot our commercial like the last few weeks of uh, before we opened. Mm-hmm. We never showed our face until, but on our individual pages, we say, "Oh, Heart and Soul, this Heart and Soul coming, blah blah blah." You know what I'm saying? New sneaker boutique. Heart and soul, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Building up. So once you start building up, you build up your, uh, y'all go follow heart and soul, blah blah blah. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. individually, you have to every you have to brand it like that. So um, and once you start branding it like that, that that way it'll uh, come back to you. And then yeah, we gonna have to go with a hashtag undefined complex. And, and just personal. It's all personal. Uh, like, from your personal, it's, that's the, oh, man, drinking this water, but put in my hashtag. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And once you, once you start doing that, man, you know, you become a brand. So, um, in the sneaker culture, um, so we play ball in Vegas. That's where I saw uh, the Maker Cube. Um, there's a store called Urban Necessities out there. He, he he does a live stream every day since the COVID. So he used to do a YouTube, and he's getting back into the YouTube stuff, but he do a live stream on IG. And um, But he always talks about brand this, brand that. He even has it tattooed on him. You know what I'm saying? Everything, like his tag, his uh, car tag is a store. Brand that, brand that. I built the brand. He's six years in. Million dollars. Mm. Million dollars. Like right now, do you know uh, Mayor? Mayor, the uh, the celebrity in the sneaker culture. Like right now, he at his house, just buying shoes. Mayor said he had twenty two hundred pairs of shoes in that house. In that house. So, you see what I'm saying? But I'm branding the brand. So, that's where Heart and Soul want to go. Yeah, we can come to your house and cash you out. And, you know what I'm saying? Flex. Yeah, flex. You know, small flex. But, you know what I'm saying? But it's all about branding. Oh, I know Heart and Soul can do it. So, now I don't have to go to their house. I can, you know, they can, I, I can. I don't have to go to the store. They can come to my house. Mm-hmm. 
think I'm filming too, put this on the ground. So I'm gonna get my followers up. Like I was on his live stream one time and then I, 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 I cut, I click out and I got 30 new followers. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think even when I was on y'all's live stream, I got like five or six followers. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so good. you know what I'm saying? It's just branding. If you brand it, brand it the right way. You know, that's why I was talking about the backdrop and all that stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, we got to get this visual going. Yeah, so yeah, everything will be cool. All right, everyone. That was Chris Dowdell, the co-owner of Heart and Soul. Y'all go support the black-owned businesses. It is a unique shoe boutique that is in Huntsville. Um, so you'll get some of the best shoes. So y'all go support it, please. Um, Jordan, you got something to add? Yes, I do. Next week, we got another installment of our interview series. We've been getting them rolling in. We got Steph Owens, an up-and-coming or already established artist in the Huntsville area. Mm-hmm. She does commissions and which I love. She's got a black manga coming out, which is like a Japanese cartoon. Something real innovative and new. Y'all stay tuned. Stay tuned. And um, we love you guys. Y'all stay safe out here. Peace.